Thanks for joining us at Keys for SLPs, opening new doors for speech-language pathologists to better serve clients throughout the lifespan, a weekly audio course and podcast from SpeechTherapyPD.com. I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines, a curious SLP who embraces lifelong learning. Keys for SLPs brings you experts in the field of speech-language pathology, as well as collaborative professionals, patients, and caregivers to discuss therapy strategies, research, challenges, triumphs, and career opportunities. Engage with a range of practitioners from young innovators to pioneers in the field as we discuss a variety of topics to help the inspired clinician thrive. Each episode of Keys for SLPs has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com available for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. We are offering an audio course subscription special coupon code to listeners of this podcast. Type the word keys for $20 off. With hundreds of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it's only $59 per year with a code word keys. Visit speechtherapypd.com and start earning ASHA CEUs today. Welcome to this episode of Keys for SLPs, Keys to Being a Mindful Clinician. I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines. Before we get started, we have a few items to mention. As a reminder, if you are taking this course to earn live ASHA CEUs, please complete all course modules by the end of the day today to earn live credit. We encourage questions from our participants. You can put your questions in the chat box for our guests to answer at the end of the episode. Here are the financial and non-financial disclosures. I am the host of this podcast and receive compensation from SpeechTherapyPD.com. Stephanie Swigert is the owner of Golden State Speech Pathology Services. She developed a course on mindfulness and receives compensation from the sale of it. Stephanie receives an honorarium from SpeechTherapyPD.com for this presentation. No relevant non-financial relationships exist. And now we welcome our guest today, speech-language pathologist, Stephanie Michelle Swigert. Stephanie founded Golden State Speech Pathology Services. She has operated the small, family-run, non-public agency for over nine years. She has experience in the acute care hospital setting, home-based early intervention, and charter schools. Stephanie currently supervises SLPAs, SLP graduate clinicians, and clinical fellows. She has also supervised undergraduate clinicians abroad in Belize. She is a speaker and a board-approved continuing education provider. She has developed a digital professional development course for speech clinicians called The Framework to Becoming a Mindful Speech Clinician. Stephanie, we are so happy to have you on Keys for SLPs to talk about being a mindful clinician. Thank you. Many, many thanks to speechtherapypd.com for having me back. And thank you so much to your podcast, Keys for SLPs. Thank you, Mary Beth, for that lovely introduction. I feel touched to be able to present on such a relevant and timely topic that is near and dear to me. It is a passion of mine. So this really meets my needs for the ability to be creative and to share such important information in this space. And it also meets my needs for community because I love being with other speech pathologists and speech pathology assistants and sharing it in this way. This is very special to me. So thank you so much for having me on here. Well, you're welcome. We are so happy to have you on here. And this is such an important topic. 
I think the last couple of years have really taught us the need to be mindful. So many people have had so many different challenges in the last couple of years that have created a different mental health space than we had in our lives a few years ago. And mindfulness can really help us with our mental health challenges, as well as our productivity, as well as our personal relationships, and really just to be happy um, as well. So (laughs) we have a lot to talk about. Happiness, Um, the new golden standard. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know what? I think it's interesting that before the podcast, we were both chatting a little bit and both said that our favorite color is yellow. And to me, yellow (laughs) is a very happy color. So yes, not according to the zones of regulation. I think green is happiness, not yellow, but I found that interesting. But yes, yellow to me, when I think of it as like sunshine, bright, airy, happy. It's a right. <laughs> right. Sunshine, sunflowers, but it's interesting. We have to determine, I guess we set our own standards for what makes us happy, but does it, Absolutely. what color makes us happy? But, you know, I do understand the zones of regulation as yes. well. So, but tell us, so how did you come into to focus on mindfulness? That's such a big question. And I know we only have an hour because I feel like I could share on that forever about my beautiful experience of of learning about mindfulness. I think there's so much I want to share with you guys, but I think the key point for me is the most important thing really is how learning mindfulness-based practices when I did in 2011, and I'll tell you about that, but it has absolutely positively impacted my personal life and my professional life. It's given me greater well-being that we all deserve. It's given me more compassion, more awareness to the present moment, the life that I'm in, and it's helped me build my resilience. And all of this is so very important. And I was first introduced to mindfulness and meditation practices from a former OT that I worked with. It was like one of those serendipitous moments where you're like, if I never would have met this person, what direction would my life have been? And you know, how would it have looked differently. But I started a new school job as a contractor working for an agency. This was 2011. I was at a new school district and an OT was also new. So we were starting together. She was a colleague, now an amazing friend of mine. But we were just there a couple weeks into the school year and she caught me in a moment of what felt like great suffering for me. Great suffering. I was in my car, no joke. I was like we all say falling over our steering wheel in hysterics. I literally was. I was crying over my steering wheel over a situation that happened at a school district. You know, I was the new person there at the school and I was having this emotional meltdown which for me at that time in my life was not uncommon especially when you are living from a place of emotions for many, many years, you know, you're bound to your emotions take over. And in a moment where I was ready to quit my new job, it was a new job I had just started. And I was on the verge of like, I'm going home, I'm quitting. I don't want to be here. She was calling me on the phone to collaborate on a shared client. And I'm like, I can't be in this space right now. She wants to talk about a client because you know, that team collaboration is so important. And I was not in a position where I could show up. I was not going to be available to her to collaborate because my emotions were impacting my ability to really show up fully in my role as an SLP. And she noticed that she caught on to that very quickly. And she stopped me dead in my tracks. I was like, Stephanie, take a breath. Cause you know, I was going down that rabbit hole and telling her this story and who I was mad at and who I was judging and who I was blaming. And I'm out of here. And, you know, using all that language, she's like, Stephanie, stop take a breath. 
And she stopped me dead in my tracks and grounded me in that moment. And when she talked to me, she remained really calm. She didn't judge my story. She didn't judge the characters in my story. She was really non-judgmental. And she brought me from a place of reactivity and blame and judgment into a space where I was getting more relaxed. I was calming down. I was gaining more clarity on what was going on in this situation. I was all of a sudden able to come from a place of wisdom so that I could advocate for myself. And, you know, we probably had a half hour telephone conversation, but what she did in that time on the phone in that short period of time was she utilized tools of mindfulness and compassion-based practices in what felt like it was a very practical moment for me. I mean, there could have been no better time. And, you know, what that told me was I didn't need to run home, you know, to my apartment and cry and quit my job and eat a container of ice cream and think about now, now what am I going to do? What's the next step? But rather what I needed to do was I needed to run home to that place in my heart, that place of belonging. It's that place where we realize we have everything we need to handle these difficult, challenging situations right inside of ourselves, right? Right inside me. And her strategies and her coaching me in that way, that resonated, right? Like I wanted to know more about this. I wanted to learn, you know, how is she able to shift my focus and my attention and my understanding so quickly? How is she able to ground me and stop me from feeling like, oh my gosh, the world is spinning out under my feet. Like I'm losing my mind here. And that was a critical, pivotal point in my life. Aubrey, my friend Aubrey, and she's still doing a lot of these practices now. She's in Australia now. She's no longer at that school district, but we got to work together for a year at that school district. And I remember she used to set her timer on her phone every hour to jump for joy. And at first I was like, okay, this is kind of quirky. And I'd watch her jump and maybe think inside my head, like, oh, what is she doing? And then it wasn't too long after working with her that I was like, okay, I'm going to take that one minute with her and I'm going to jump for joy. And, you know, the timer went off and I stood up and it was one minute and I'm jumping up and down. And that brought so much happiness and so much humor. And it was such a a simple little strategy, but it was a way of saying, hey, let's just take a time out for a second. Let's just be silly. Take a time out and we can sit right back down and get right back to our work. So she really introduced me to these concepts and that was 2011. And since then I've, I've deepened my practice over time. I'm a constant student. I completed a online two-year training in awareness and compassion-based practices. And I hold a mindfulness meditation teacher certification. And this is provided by Sounds True and it's in partnership with the Greater Good Science Center. So I've been putting in the time, I've been doing the work and I feel like the Stephanie today The future self is so much different than the Stephanie in 2006 when I came out of grad school, even to 2011 when I met Aubrey and every year, you know, just kind of evolving with that continued practice. I mean, I feel like I've experienced firsthand what it feels like to transition from being, you know, what I think other people can relate to tired, reactive, overworked, feeling like I'm in this, you know, I'm completely stressed out because I have this unreasonably demanding job placement where they keep putting more and more work on me. So I've I've transitioned from feeling like I'm in that space and I'm a victim in that space to being somebody who is more compassionate, to being somebody who is more simple in my way of doing things, to, to being somebody who is more patient, 
that patience is so critical, right? And I now know how to establish boundaries and you stay firm in those boundaries, right? I know how to advocate for my needs using language that people are going to hear me and they're not going to close off thinking I'm blaming them or I'm judging them. I can show up in a way now with that wise speech. I can show up with more clarity. So like, I'm not judging everything now and going down, telling myself all these stories of the way I think it is but I'm kind of taking a step back and looking at things differently. And this is allowing me, and I'm still growing in this practice all the time, but this is allowing me to show up in my role as my best self. And it's giving me an opportunity to, you know, I place a strong value on well-being, on work-life balance, on sustainability of a job and, and the work in the job, being able to, you know, give me the work that I can continue to do. Not that I'm going to try so hard to get done to please you, but like in a couple months, I'm going to burn out and not be able to do this for you anymore. On self-development, on building not just my skills in the area of speech pathology, but being a person who's going to continue and grow and learn how to build the person, you know, the person who is the speech pathologist, because the person is the professional. So for everybody that's here today, I think, you know, consider it, you know, consider, do you owe it to your future self to have that opportunity to experience firsthand all of the emotional and physical and science-backed benefits that mindfulness provides? There's so many, and we're going to talk about those today, but you have an opportunity through a course like this and through other courses to Grab a hold of strategies that align with you. Leave behind the ones that don't. That's okay too. Not all of them are going to line up with what you want to do, but you have an opportunity to take steps to transforming your life as well as thousands of, you know, all of the future clients that you're going to have. It's a really big opportunity for us to grow in ourselves and then create that ripple effect. And you mentioned Mary Beth, in the beginning of this, that, you know, we're in challenges and there's hard times. And I think it's important to state that. I think it's important, you know, that we come up to speed with what's trending right now in the news, in social media, in conversations among our peers. We are, we are in difficult and challenging times, guys. I don't have to tell you this. We know it. And our emotional lives are greatly impacted and our physical well-being is at risk. We've got a continued war in Ukraine. We've got rising inflation. We've got the scare of mass shootings in our country. We have continued racism and social injustice and political turmoil. And with all of this, guys, with all of this, we carry vulnerability and we can carry great fear with this. And these are topics that need our attention. These are topics that light needs to be shed upon, a bigger light. These are topics that need to be understood and they need to be changed. And as clinicians, you know, we know that personally and professionally, our plates are full for most of us. For some of us, like overflowing, we're carrying so many hats. I meet so many SLPs and SLPs that have so many hats. It's so interesting to hear all the things that we're doing. But when we're trying to balance work with our life at home, amongst all that's happening in the world around us. And now on top of that, we have the holidays rolling around, the pressures and emotions that can come with that. It's intense, you know, whether it's stress over finances or social gatherings for the introvert that doesn't want to see certain family members or be around certain people or have to go to parties. And, you know, we're trying to figure out childcare. I have a child and now they're going to be off school and some of us have to continue working and the stress of figuring that out, or how are we going to afford that vacation or that gift under the tree? You know, this is a very, very challenging time to manage our feelings and our emotions and our thought processes, but we need to. The consequences to not 
is too great. It can potentially cause us great harm. I'm constantly reading articles on educator burnout, teacher burnout, increased vacancies in the school systems. You've got SLPs and SLPAs there. Anybody can step into these social media platforms and they can hear everybody talking about the incredible demands that are out there, that they've got these increased caseloads, that more and more clinicians are burnout, that there's all these emotional tolls happening, there's depletion, there's reduced well-being. I mean, the list goes on. There's amazing things happening as well too, don't get me wrong. But we're hearing a lot about stress, especially this time of year. And more and more stress, guys, paired with negative emotions, it can and it will negatively impact our ability to show up fully in our role. I was not able to show up on that phone call with that OT to talk about a client while I was at work because I was so caught up in my emotions. I was not present. I was not available. And I couldn't do what I needed to do in that moment. I was stuck. I was blocked. So just, you know, I think it's great for everybody who came here. I think it's going to be great for everybody who listens to this, you know, after the course who isn't here live, because this is a time that, you know, in our lives where all of our systems can be shaken up a little bit, our bodies can be shaken up and we can have a new set of worries and fears and stress and panic on top of the difficulties that we already face under our regular circumstances. And Asha, Asha states that for speech language pathologists to fulfill their ethical obligation to hold paramount the welfare of persons they serve professionally, wait for it, they must take care of themselves. They must take care of themselves. Put your oxygen mask on first. All right, so that's our topic today. We have to ask ourselves, how, how can I better center myself in times of challenges and difficulties. So I, the person, I, the professional, can show up fully in my role as my best, whole, available self, free from reactivity, free from judgment, free from blame, where I'm blaming someone else or maybe even the judgment and blame on myself, right? Because we are our own worst critics. How can I be more fully present with more clarity, wisdom, and compassion? Well, Michelle, you have certainly made a convincing argument for mindfulness. And just in case anyone is not convinced, you know, you even cited Asha. So if yes. you're not, if you were unsure now, now there's proof. Asha is telling you that this is part of your, you know, ethical duty as a speech language pathologist, as a holder of CCCs. So let's dive in. Yes. I mean, I mean, it seems it makes sense, right? I mean, how can we really be available for someone else if we're not all together with it ourselves? For sure. You know, this is a podcast, but I wanted to share a, a cartoon. So I'll just kind of like, I'll kind of describe it for the listeners, but picture like a cartoon. This is a comic, right? And there's a cartoon of a man. He's walking down the street in the neighborhood and he's passing by a fence that has a dog in it that belongs to the house, right? And he's just, he's walking along. He's not paying any attention to the dog and the dog shouting out to him. Don't tell me you're okay. You're not okay. I can smell the hurt inside of you. Don't walk away. Talk to me. 
And meanwhile, the guy's still walking away and underneath the sign says, beware of emotional support dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I love, he, he's like, tell, don't tell me, you know, get back here. Let's talk about your problems. So, you know, I, that's me today. I, I'm like your emotional support dog. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to remind you that, you know, we've got steps that, you know, we can take to take better care of ourselves. And, you know, pain and struggle is going to happen. It's part of humanity. Challenges are going to come. It's going to come down to how we relate to those. It's going to come down to looking at our stressors with a new pair of eyes. Mary Beth, are you familiar with mindfulness? Yes, I am familiar with mindfulness. Do you practice? At the beginning of my journey, but, you know, I am a yoga practitioner and a certified yoga teacher. So I have worked at that space with mindfulness, but I haven't up until recently been a practicing meditator, but I am getting into meditation. So I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. Now you just touched upon universal feelings. Um, Yes, I did. I did. And yes, we're going to get into that real quickly though, for anybody that's listening, just in case you're not familiar with mindfulness or you're kind of, I mean, there could be people out there that are well-versed in it, that practice it. There could be some listeners today that are, you know, have not heard of it, or I feel like at this point, everybody's sort of heard of it, but maybe don't know too much about it. I just, I want to keep it simple. I was in London in 2002. I was studying abroad and I was stepping off of their train. They call it the tube and an announcement came on and this is a memory that sticks. And they were like, mind the gap. And I was 22 and I was like, mind the gap. What does that mean? Mind the gap. And they kept saying it over mind the gap. And basically what they're saying on this train is they're like, Hey, watch out for the space. There's a space from when you step off the train onto the platform and we want you to be aware of it. So, you know, mind the gap, mindfulness, mind, watch, look at, see, right? So I was supposed to be seeing that space, not judging it, just seeing that space between the train and getting off the train and to be aware of it. So when we talk about mindfulness today, that's what it is. It's just watching, seeing, looking at, and we're not judging it. We're just seeing what's happening in the present moment. And we're going to dive into universal feelings. And this is going to be part of Our talk today falls under the umbrella of mindfulness of emotions, and that's really our theme. And it's going to be awareness to our emotions in the present moment. So watching our emotions, seeing them, observing them in the moment as they are. So I hope that this resonates for listeners. I created this course for people who might get caught up in their emotions. I don't know if we have any listeners who, when you're confronted by them, maybe you feel run down and you feel exhausted by your circumstances that may or may not be out of control this is for you. If there's those of you who feel like the emotional toll is deeply rising and you don't always know, you know, how to handle what life throws at you unexpectedly, or maybe even how to express your feelings and needs in a way that's going to be heard. That's going to be those universal feelings. This is for you because in learning to connect to this becoming aware, mindfulness of emotion, we're seeing how our emotions can throw us off track, right? From being present and available in our role. And then we're seeing that we can choose how to relate to these emotions, right? Because being a clinician is gratifying. There's a lot of satisfying, really pleasurable moments, but there's a lot of really difficult ones. So we're going to learn how to effectively manage those difficult universal feelings, those emotions with strategies to reduce negative outcomes, right? And what this is going to do is it's going to build opportunities for more thoughtful speech and for wise action. So if it's okay, Mary Beth, can we do a little experiential practice together? 
Absolutely. All right. Great. So what I like to do before I start, you know, any talk and guys, I like to do this before I start therapy sessions or assessments also is you can just take like a short little period of time and you're like, okay, I'm going to pause right now. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to guide you through just a quick little practice where take a minute. And if it feels comfortable, I want you just to close your eyes. If it doesn't feel comfortable to close your eyes, that's okay too. You can use like a soft downward gaze. And when you're in that position, you're comfortable. I invite you just to take a really big, deep breath in. Letting it out. And let's do it one more time. Maybe placing your hand on your belly. And this time taking a longer, deeper inhale. And then trying to match your exhale to that. Maybe keeping your eyes shut and in this, uh, or your eyes in a soft downward gaze. I want you to call to mind a person that is a loved one that's very special and near and dear to you. If you cannot think of a person, that's okay. You can call to mind a special pet or animal. If that's still difficult, maybe you could reflect on a special memory you've had recently. So we're looking for something that brings you joy or someone that evokes happiness and joy. And I just want you to take a moment and reflect on that person or thing. Maybe even just bringing a slight smile to your face or even just putting your hand in your heart space, just naturally breathing in and out, reflecting on that person and the feelings that come to mind, whether it's happiness, love, joy, appreciation. And now we just taking another big deep breath in and out. And on your next breath in, just breathing in all that love, all that joy, all that happiness. And then exhaling any worries or stress or troubles that could be on your mind. And when you're ready, go ahead and just opening your eyes back up. And for our listeners, if you feel comfortable, go ahead in the chat box. And maybe if there was an emotion that you felt that you noticed in this exercise, if you want to go ahead and pop it in, maybe there was happiness or peace or sadness, maybe nothing, maybe boredom. If there was anything that came up for you as you were reflecting in that exercise, okay, we have calm from Crystal. Yeah, go ahead and pop it in there now. How about for you, Mary Beth? Joy. Joy. 
Very good. We've got a lot of calm, Roxana. Valerie, quiet. Mm -hmm. Calm, peace. Very nice. From Catherine, peace. Very good. Anybody else? Thank you for sharing that. For so sharing mostly, that. Mostly calm, quiet, and peace. Yes. And you know what? Those are universal feelings. So thank you, Mary Beth, for letting me start in this way with us kind of sensing what universal feelings and emotions are alive and present for us right now in this moment and exercise together. So I know you were asking, I'll let you ask again your question about universal feelings as we just got a little sampling of some there. Yes. Oh, and there's someone else joining me in joy in the chat. So, joy. so, I, so thank you, Cynthia. I don't feel alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Very was good. I'm not supposed to feel joy. No. <laughs> I felt love when I do this. I reflect on my grandmother who has passed now when I reflect on her and I have a certain memory of her coming to her door to answer every time I came to her house. And when I reflect on that image and I smile and I, I connect to my heart space and I just think about her, there's no dialogue in my memory. It's just a vision with minimal colors. And I reflect on that. That's a moment for me to just kind of bring up feelings of love and acceptance because that's how I felt in her presence. So I appreciate others sharing their universal feelings that they had in that moment. What a great memory. You know, when I think of my grandma at her door, I think of her waving goodbye because she would stay in her door and wave until we, you know, the car pulled away. So yeah, those are neat memories. I, I will reflect on that next time I do this exercise. Love All right. So universal feelings, what are universal feelings and how can our emotions impact our performance as speech clinicians? Okay, great question. So universal feelings and how can they affect our performance? So I'd like to share a little sentence frame for you guys to visualize. It's like a fill in the blank one for you, Mary Beth and the listeners. So visualize this sentence. If you are an SLP or SLPA and you feel blank, comma, you are not alone. So let me read that one more time. If you are an SLP or SLPA and you feel blank, you are not alone. And now you've got a little word bank under there, right? And under that sentence frame, the word bank says confused. You feel pleasure, excluded, isolated, worried, insecure, curious, excited, panicked, hopeful, tired, overwhelmed, fatigued, pressured, stressed, compelled, rushed, traumatized, stretched, thin, drained, frustrated, joy, bliss, bored, angry, concerned, depleted, eager, nervous, anxious, irritable, pain, loved, you get the idea, right? You can fill any of these words into this little sentence frame, or maybe even a word not on this list. And chances are at some point in your life, it would have rang true, right? You could relate to that. But these are some examples of universal feelings. So universal feelings are some basic feelings that we all have, or we have all experienced. And feelings, they arise from a place of met or unmet needs. So when our needs are fulfilled, we've got those pleasurable feelings. And different feelings can arise when our needs are not met, you know, so those unpleasurable feelings. And they're basically a way for us to be able to express our humanness. Now, I know some people are like, feelings, icky, they don't like to go down that road, right? We can be very vulnerable when we're talking about our feelings. Some people share them very easily and a lot. And then we have people on the other end of the spectrum who don't want to share them at all. But when we share how we are feeling, we are expressing our vulnerability. And in some cases, this can be a great tool in resolving 
conflict. So think back on our chat box just a second ago, a couple of people wrote down calm and Mary Beth, someone joined you in joy, right? So universal feeling, but maybe different stimuli brought that emotion. Like maybe Mary Beth, what you were thinking about that brought you joy might not be what that other person was thinking about, right? So these are the feelings that we all have in common. And Dr. Marshall Rosenberg, he's the author of a book called Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life. He tells us that by developing a vocabulary of feelings that allows us to clearly and specifically name or identify our emotions, we connect more easily with one another. I also feel like we can kind of take that a step further and we can connect more easily with ourselves. Feelings are universal. It's something we all have, right? It's a unique trait that we all share that we should be able to relate to one another on a level of, right? On a level of feelings. And the more we can tune into what we feel and we begin to figure out, okay, so this is what I'm feeling. What is it that I'm needing? What is that unfulfilled need? What need was not met that's making me feel this way? Then we can start to get to, okay, how do I meet this need? What do I need to ask for? So let me give you an example of some of the things that come up for me in working with SLPs and SLPs. Like maybe, for example, you've, this is common. I hear this a lot on my team. You've asked your administration at a school site, for example, or maybe at a hospital. You've asked your administration for support with your caseload. And because it's completely unmanageable. And at this point, maybe even your physical health is starting to suffer. You're getting sick, right? And you may have made that connection. You may not have made that connection, right? But they've not sent anybody to take any assignments off your plate. And maybe by this point, you're angry. And I've met therapists who are very angry. They get really upset. They are not heard, right? So this anger is stemming from a feeling where they've got a need for support and the needs for support is not being fulfilled. Or maybe they have a need for understanding, right? Like, okay, my need for understanding is not being fulfilled. Like you don't get it. Workload is not the same as caseload. I need you to understand this and you're not getting this and you're not sending support. Or maybe you have a need for respect, right? Because you've got these boundaries and you're able to contribute what you can contribute. But in order to, for you to actually get all this stuff done that they're expecting you to get done, it's just not sustainable. And it's not lining up with your boundaries, right? So it's not sustainable anymore. So these are universal emotions that are showing up as a guide system to us. They are letting us know, hey, something's off, something's not right, or something is right. But we're going to focus a little bit more today on the things that are not right, the challenging and difficult times. So something's not right. I have a need, a need that's not being met. And I need to tune in to that emotion and figure out what is the intelligence behind that emotion. So as we start to figure out that need, we begin to ask for what it is that we need. Okay. If it's a need for support, we show up to the director and now we connect with the feeling and we say, I feel exhausted. I feel exhausted. I need an SLPA to see my students on Tuesdays so I can complete the incoming referral assessments, you know, before my IEP meeting in two weeks or whatever. If it's a need for understanding, we tell the director, I feel concerned. Like I'm deeply concerned. I have a need for you to understand that the caseload number is not a reflection of the workload. And here's why. Dot, 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 fill it in. If it's a need for respect for boundaries, we frame our position as, 
I'm feeling overwhelmed. Okay. I'm really overwhelmed right now. Like I try to maintain, I value a work-life balance and my workload is not able to be completed in an eight hour day. I do not prefer to take work home. Can we strategize together a way to fix this? Right? So we've shared universal feelings that hopefully everybody can relate to, right? Concerned, overwhelmed, exhausted. I mean, who hasn't felt those at some point in their lives, right? So we're trying to connect with the director or whoever we're talking to in a way that they can relate to us and see our humanness and our vulnerability in sharing that with them because you know they too have been in a place once where they have felt all those things different triggers have caused them to feel that way but we they felt it right but we also do okay Stephanie just because I know what I'm feeling and I, I know why I'm feeling this and I know what I'm not getting like you know just because we know that and we advocate for ourselves i know that we do not always get what we want we don't always get what we receive when we ask even when we ask in a wise compassionate way and this is where the work starts it's like okay so maybe i showed up maybe i asked it's like okay can i be with this this is the work can i be with what is this is mindfulness of emotions aware of where i am and be right here right now there is an awesome poem by Rumi that I want to share. Is that okay if I share a poem with you guys, Mary Beth? Are you okay yes, with poetry? Okay, I, I would love to hear your poem. <laughs> okay, I come across some poems every now and then that I think, wow, this really like strikes home the point for me. I don't know if it will for others, but it's a poem by Rumi and it's called The Guest House. And it goes like this, I'm gonna read it to you. He says, this being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if there are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And this is Rumi, and it was translated by Coleman Barks. And the reason I share this poem and I love this poem is because it's a reminder that inside all of us are so many different emotions, these universal feelings, pleasant ones, unpleasant ones. They come to us. They live inside of us. And this poet Rumi saying, welcome them, welcome them all, right? Welcome the joy and the depression. You're like, wait, what? (laughs) Why would I want to welcome that? He's saying, welcome the meanness, right? That these emotions, happy or sad, they're sent to us as a message. They're sent to us as guides. And they can be guiding us to some greater understanding of ourselves or of a situation. And emotions can really be a vehicle to inspire us. So we need to let them in, right? And when we think back to like, coming back to a few deep breaths in the present moment, right? You'll hear in some other talks I've had, I'll be like, okay, ground ourselves or connect to the present moment by just taking some deep breaths. That's mindfulness of the breath. Well, we can also learn, and we'll get into this today, a strategy to become really aware of the feelings of the present moment, the here and now. We can be mindfully aware of what state we're in. And I want to point out, this doesn't mean we're trying to be void of emotions. We're not trying to empty out emotions and say, hey, you know, we shouldn't feel this or judge ourselves to say, you know, I'm really upset for feeling this way. No, it simply means we're using a healthy technique for how we're going to relate and respond 
to these emotions that we will inevitably face. Being mindful is not getting caught or swept up in that emotion. Like in the way I was swept up falling over my steering wheel, right? It's like a big wave that came and just took me out and like spun me around, right? It's rather seeing the emotion for what it is and learning that like we can learn to be with this. We can start with the small waves, the little emotions and work our way up to learning how to be with those big waves. Like if I don't turn my back to the wave and now I've practiced, you know, swimming in the ocean with some of these smaller waves, I'm going to get more confident. And now I can go out to the bigger waves and I can learn how to be in that wave, right? So let those emotions in, become aware of them. And we're going to talk about how we can connect to the sensations that come alive in our body that can show up because emotions become reactions, right? And they can become we can have a physical experience in those emotions. Check well, out. Right. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, back to your poem. One thing I really liked yeah. about that is welcoming all those emotions, because I know some of us try to be positive and in an effort to be positive, we don't welcome those negative emotions. And we in turn then don't learn from those negative emotions, but by welcoming them, acknowledging them and learning from them, we get to a more positive place. And you're experiencing life. So yeah, you're learning. So I hear you say, you know, you're becoming aware of them. You're recognizing them. I like how you said you're learning from them and you're being present with what is. You're being in the situation that life is giving you and you're learning how to be in that space. You're not suppressing and trying to make it go away or you're not, if it's a pleasurable one, clinging and grasping and wanting it to stay because that's when the suffering happens right? When we don't allow it and we push it away because guess what? It's going to come back. (laughs) So, you know, we can learn to be in those situations where, you know, our, our emotions are coming where now we see them and you're right. We can learn from them. We can listen to them. We can see the intelligence inside of them. Absolutely. So this book, it's my daughter's, but I was like, this book is amazing. It's called The Queen of Colors and it's by Judda Bauer. I really like this book because (laughs) you can't see it. You can see it, Mary Beth, but it's a black and white. It's a black and white book, right? Of this lady. Here she is. This is Queen Matilda and she's the main character in the story and she has a color for every mood. And although the story is in black and white, she actually summons colors. She calls colors to come onto the page. And the colors come in and they affect her experience and like blue comes in and colors the sky on one page. And, you know, Matilda, the queen of colors is feeling really calm and really enjoying it. But then, you know, blue goes away and she summons in red and red is wild, right? Red's wild. It's out of control and it knocks her over and she turns red into a horse and she hops on the horse and she rides away with it. And it's all crazy. Right. But then all of a sudden she's like, Ooh, this feels a little too dangerous, like out with you red. And she wants to call in another color, yellow, your signature color, Mary Beth, my my favorite color, warm is yellow. It's cheery and she's delighting in it. Right. And so on. And that's how this book goes. There's these colors and these colors create moods and these moods shape her experience, but they also come and they go and her emotions are always changing. 
right? So Marybeth, you said yellow is your color. It's your signature color. And so I'm wondering for our listeners, let's think about maybe how you started your day today. It's Monday. If you went to work, maybe think about as you arrived on the scene at work, if you can think back to this morning and think about like an experience that happened this morning that really stands out in your mind. And if you were to relate it to a color, If you would so kindly pop that color into a chat box, what color would you, maybe you started your day with a nice cup of coffee and it was super relaxing and maybe it's blue and calm for you, or, you know, maybe like all of a sudden your email started binging and, or you had to step into a contentious IEP. So it's like red and crazy. Let's see if we've got some colors. See if we can put those in the chat. Mary Beth, how did you start your day today? If you had to relate it to a color. I started mine red. So, and what does red mean to you? A little crazy because I overslept. Oh, so you were already like, uh oh, I gotta get, yeah, panic mode. <laughs> yes. Very good. Oh, so someone else started in red with me and chaos. Okay, blue, cold. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay, wondering cold. if that was cold temperature, probably <laughs> because it's cold in a lot of parts of the country. There's so a crazy storm. Yellow, blue. Yes, green, slow and easy. Oh, I like that, Heidi. Nice. Uh, Yellow, yeah, yellow, blue. And it's interesting because different colors might mean different things to different people. Like Jennifer put red was chaos, right? Red for her is chaos. Maybe red for someone else's. I felt loving. I was in a loving space. You know, the colors don't matter. It's just, you know, thinking about, you know, our emotions and connecting our emotions maybe to a color because guys like Matilda, our emotions, they're constantly changing and reshaping and they can look different from moment to moment. And the question begs, how do we tend to these emotions? Do we bury them? Do we hide them, you know, deep below the surface so no one sees them? Do we immediately express them, right, in a reactive way where later we're like, oh man, shouldn't have said that? Or do you cling to them or grasp onto them, like desperately seeking, you know, them to stay? And it's like, it's like, what do I mean by this? So For me, if something is not fun or enjoyable, okay, like maybe you have to give a professional development in-person training at your school to like the kindergarten teachers for like the red flags of, you know, we don't want all these referrals. So let me teach some kindergarten teachers what they need to know. That's like typical for this age level, et cetera, right? And you're like, oh man, like this doesn't really feel comfortable for me. I'm an introvert. This makes me really like terribly nervous or worried. This is out of my comfort zone, right? Well, as with most things that we don't like, our conditioning and our habitual thinking will try to tell us, okay, wait, maybe I can get out of this. Maybe I can avoid it. Maybe you can just send them a handout. (laughs) You don't have to like show up in person and talk to them, right? Or we might look for ways to like fly under the radar or go unnoticed or secretly hope this goes away. I don't know if that's nobody here, right? That's not us. But but when it doesn't go away and we have to show up and we have to perform or do that, which makes us feel uncomfortable, we might have physical sensations that come along with that. So, you know, maybe when you're getting ready to present, you might sweat. Maybe your hands might tremble. Maybe your voice is super shaky or you can't catch your breath or you got butterflies in your stomach, right? There's physical ways that this shows up. Mary Beth, I was listening to a great episode that you have with another mindful SLP, Jennifer Room. And on this episode, you so graciously shared your vulnerability. I don't know if you remember. I do remember it. Because when you told me you listened to it, I remembered that. Yes. And you told the listeners, do you remember what you told them? I think I told them how nervous I get before I come on this podcast. 
Yes. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Yes. You shared that when you were first starting the podcast that, you know, it was a nervous place for you. Like you had feelings of nervousness to present. And I'm curious when I heard you say that I was wondering, like, how did you know that you were nervous? Like what shows up for you when you feel nervous? I think I may have even said in, in that podcast that I'm wondering if like people can hear my heart beating because it's so loud Okay, yeah, <laughs> into the microphone. Yeah. So my heart starts beating rapidly. My voice starts shaking, you know, start sweating a little bit. So yeah, that's kind of what happens yes. to me. But I want to say for everyone who might be feeling badly for me, I don't <laughs> feel that way anymore. And it was like right before the podcast, my heart does not beat like that. And about a month ago, I was like, I remember when I told Jennifer Vroom that and that doesn't happen anymore. So yes. um, I but do I get this when I'm reading. <laughs> I love that you share that because I mean, how many people can relate to stage fright or just being nervous to have to present? I mean, we can normalize that here, right? And it's so nice to hear other speakers say that and to know that we're not alone, but these things can show up in our body and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit too. So thank you for being open to oh, talk about sure. that again. Sure. I, I, I will just podcast. add, you know, when Yumi asked me to do this podcast, I was like, who, me, what? No, I can't do that because I really don't like to speak in public. So, but then I thought, Who's going to ask me to host a podcast again? I might as well just try it. So, and we would never know. I mean, we cannot hear your heartbeat coming out of your chest. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know I don't see your sweat, but yeah, we would never know. So it's great that you did not let that emotion get the best of you. And that, you know, you were wise to know that this was the place that you needed to be. So thank you you for sharing that. But let's think about when something is fun and is enjoyable. And so I bring this up because this can cause suffering too, because what happens is we try to cling on to that or hold on really, really tight to that for dear life, because we don't want this feeling to end. We don't want this to go away. You know, we get this addictive, like happiness from whatever this is. For me, it's, I cringe counting down the last days of summer. So summer to me is like, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't get any better than summer for me. I'm school-based. So I'm off. My daughter's off. It's amazing time for a family. But I noticed that the more I try to hold on to this idea of an endless summer, the more bummed I feel when inevitably (laughs) we got to go back to school. It's the first day of school and she's got to go back and I'm back to work. And don't get me wrong. I love my job. I love what I do, but I love me some sweet summertime. And I'm telling you that relaxation, it is such a hard adjustment. And I don't know if there's listeners here who can agree so hard to kind of tell myself, I got to get back into that swing of things. And that suffering comes from me trying to like deny that it's going to happen to try to make something impermanent, permanent, like summer can't go on forever. Like this is, that's not real life. Like I have to do this. This is something I have to go back to. It's, it's, you know, not in my control. So my suffering comes from trying to ignore that and trying to cling on to like, I just want to be happy forever. And in this relaxed vacation, you know, place in my mind. And that's not the case. So that's why I suffer because I'm going back and I, I can't like accept that. And then we've got good old boredom, right? So we've all experienced this universal feeling of boredom. And this is when things are, they're not good. They're not bad. They're just kind of neutral. So maybe we're on hold for a telephone call, or I don't know, maybe I get bored sometimes when I'm waiting in the doctor's office for the doctor to come in, or maybe you're sitting around waiting for your client to come in or sitting at a red light or waiting for an IEP to start. Who knows? We all know what it's like to be bored, but basically what are we doing when we're bored? 
Okay. When we're bored, some of us, most of us, many of us are trying to quickly distract ourselves. And how are we doing that? We might be doing that with mental thoughts. So some reruns in our head, we might be doing that by going on our phones and scrolling Instagram and watching all those fun reels or like going on to social media or Facebook. Maybe we're shopping on Amazon, right? Whatever it is, we're doing something to kill this time because we don't want to sit with boredom, right? We can't sit with this boredom. We're like the kids who are like, I'm bored. Give me something to do. We're secretly saying, I can't be with this. I can't just be in this space and give myself that quiet brain break and come back to my breath. And why are we rushing to escape boredom, right? Why do I instinctively pick up my phone? Why, you know, do I want to quickly go see like, oh, did anybody comment on that? You know, some of this stuff has become habit because, you know, we're doing that over and over. And what happens is when we escape that, which we feel is boredom, we are moving ourselves and our bodies away from the present moment to a distraction and possibly getting lost in distraction. Mary Beth, have you ever scrolled your phone to look up to realize like 20 minutes or a half hour or an hour has just passed? (laughs) Has that happened to you? Guilty as charged. (laughs) Is that crazy? Like, I mean, I've seriously looked up and be like, oh my gosh, did I really just spend an hour like scrolling away doing that? I mean, I think that's the culture we're in right now with everything being on our phone, right? I mean, sometimes I don't check things consistently. Like I won't check Facebook consistently because I get sucked in. So I'll go days without checking just so I won't get sucked in. But boredom is not really an emotion that I have very often. Okay. Ever, but interesting. I know. I'd like to unlayer that more at some point. Yeah. <laughs> when my kids tell me they're bored, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. You're like, I, I, want, nothing, I want nothing to I do. Have so much to do. <laughs> well, yeah, I would like to unlayer that sometime as a, all as right, a break time. We'll but... unlayer that later. But please, yeah. girl, I'm sure there are many people listening or will be listening in the future who do get bored. Yeah, absolutely. So. And you're going to hear it from your kids as they're coming home this holiday season. So be prepared and let them be bored. But it's important for us to understand and take a look at how we are doing these things. You know, are we, you said sucked in, how are we doing? Are we doing these things on autopilot? Are we doing these things out of reactivity? Are we doing these things from impulsivity? Did we take a pause and realize that we actually had a choice on what we wanted to do next? Or did we get in the habit of doing this so many times that this is just where we go? So being mindful, this being aware, this watching and seeing, observing mindfulness, not getting caught up in the clinging or the holding tightly or the pushing away the feeling. When we can begin to open up ourselves, open up to our feelings and our emotions and let them just be without reactivity, what we're doing is we're giving ourselves a gift and we're giving a gift to others. And that gift is noticing the emotion, letting it be. And then here it is, responding when the time is right and responding from a place of wisdom and clarity. That's the key piece, right? That's the work. Can we learn to be with what is and can we be with the emotions that we are experiencing? And it does not mean, I get a lot of people who ask me the question, well, are we just supposed to accept what's happening then? Nope. This does not mean we need to accept the conditions that's causing the emotions. It means you have a choice on what you want to do when the emotions arise and how are you making your choice? Is it based on 
you know, intense emotions or from a place of reactivity or blame or judgment. Like when I was falling over, you know, the steering wheel of my car, the words that I had when I was going to go express myself for my anger and frustration of a situation that occurred would have been a lot different than how they looked once I had that moment with Aubrey to get clear and to come up with wise speech and to connect with what was going on in my heart, what I was feeling and what I was needing. And we do have tools to center ourselves, to be able to calm ourselves, basically get it together, <laughs> come back to earth, regroup ourselves in a way that we can now rise to the challenge, any challenge that comes at us with respect and clarity and wise speech. And so that when you're ready and your emotion has settled a bit, I mean, if you're cool to go at it with a strong emotion, that's cool too, because that can inspire us. But make sure you're coming from a place of wisdom to advocate for your needs, right? Or to inspire your next action plan, because we want to be received. We want people to hear what it is we have to say. So we can create this ability to show up more fully, to show up in a healthy way. It's like that the philosophy of zones of regulation, right? Like be aware of the emotion, that's there in our kiddos. And we've got the same philosophy. We are trying to get to a space where we are in a healthy place. So we can get back to our schoolwork. We can get back to our work, our assignments, our meetings, our difficult telephone call that we need to make, right? And we weaken our overthinking and our ability to get lost in those emotions and reactivity. Because when we do that, we're really truly becoming disconnected or somewhere else. Excellent. Well, let's talk about a specific strategy or tool that we can use to get to that place, to get to that place where we are calm and addressing our needs and advocating for ourselves or being able to look at a situation with wisdom. Yeah. So it's a technique called RAIN. And this technique has been updated by Tara Brock, who is a therapist. And she was my teacher in my mindfulness meditation teacher certification program. So it's an acronym. I love acronyms. It's a simple strategy that can be used in both your personal life as well as your professional life. It can be used alone. It can be taught to others. It can be done in pairs with a coworker. And if you heard me talk about this before in another course, please listen again with full intention because that's the practice. It's hearing something over and over and reminding yourself over and over and practicing that technique time and time again, that becomes the routine and that becomes the new automatic habit. So RAIN is a grounding exercise and it is an exercise that we can use in difficult times or times of challenges and hardships. And we all face these in our, our career and speech path, but you can turn it into a daily practice and you can use it to give yourself compassion when times get tough or when the emotions get the best of you. So R-A-I-N, I want you to think of R as recognize. So we're recognizing that difficult emotions happen and we learn to become more comfortable with them when they arise, right? We're not trying to escape or suppress or cling. We're just recognizing that they're there and we name them. This is anger or this is discomfort or this is confusion, right? Recognize, name it. A is allow it. We are allowing the emotion to be just as it is. We're not talking about expressing it, but letting it move through the body. And this doesn't mean we have to like it. We're just going to allow it for some time. We're going to acknowledge it. Okay, yes, this is what's happening right now. I'm going to give myself permission to feel this, and I'm not going to judge myself for feeling this way. I investigate. Feel any sensations in the body that are occurring when the emotion is present. And if you can't connect to a sensation, that's okay too. Some people can, but notice that too. Notice that numbness, right? Because connecting to that body also helps us get out of the story that is going on and on in our head. 
right? That story going down that rabbit hole. It's important to not get stuck in our thinking mind and trying to figure out what caused this emotion. But remembering you're an observer, like a clinical observer, a clinician, you're just observing the motion. You're seeing it as it is. And you're seeing where it's manifesting in the body. My heart feels like it's going to beat out of my chest. My hands feel like they're tremoring. I'm noticing sweat coming out of my forehead. I feel hot. or have a headache, right? This is connecting to the body and then N nurturing. And so what we're doing in this is we're giving ourselves self-compassion. Luis Casalino said, it is not the survival of the fittest. It is the survival of the nurtured. Interesting. So we're nurturing ourselves. We're saying, you know what? This is normal. This too, this is part of being human. This is part of being an SLP. I'm sure other SLPs are feeling this way right now. It's the end of the year. They're all feeling stressed about progress reports. It's okay. I'm not alone. Others have felt this. You might be giving yourself, you know, whatever that positive self-talk is like for you. This is hard now, but I can keep trying, right? So some of that growth mindset language or like, I can go outside and just get a breath of fresh air. I can take a walk. I can go get a Starbucks. Like I can just take a break from what I'm doing. It's going to be okay. I'm going to get through this. So that's the end. That's the nurture. And, you know, it's the same step, R-A-I-N, but it can look different for all of the different people that you're working with. So let's say it's December. You're rushing to get progress reports done or maybe some last minute assessments before winter break, right? We're feeling overwhelmed. We're feeling stressed out. We're at the end of our rope. We're we're holding on tight. (laughs) And maybe like, you know, we haven't been practicing these strategies. So we're on edge and a coworker walks in and tells you something, maybe like, oh, I forgot this is also due and you have a part in it. And I forgot to tell you, you know, one of those things that has (laughs) happened to a lot of us. And maybe that triggers you and you lash out, or maybe you say something that you shouldn't have said or acted in a way that that maybe you regret later, right? You're reactive. You're coming from your reptilian brain of fight, flight, freeze in that limbic system. And you're just like, ah, you know, and you, you didn't respond in a way that really aligns with who you really truly are as a person, right? So let's now rewind that. Let's go back on that a little bit. And let's say, okay, maybe you've been practicing rain, right? And maybe right before that coworker walked in, you were having a little practice with it. Rain would look like, okay, I'm going to first notice that right now as I'm sitting here staring at my computer with all these progress reports, knowing I'm running out of time, I'm feeling really stressed. I'm like, I'm freaking out right now. Like this is overwhelming. This is too much, right? So you tell yourself, okay, R, recognize this is stress. This is panic. This is what's happening for me right now, right? I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to try. I'm just noticing it. Just bringing awareness to that fact. Okay, I'm going to allow it to be here. Okay, here you are. I'm going to A, allow. Like Rumi said, I'm going to welcome you. I'm going to let you be my visitor. Hello, I'm going to say hi to you. Hello, stress. Stephanie, you've got stress visiting you right now. That's okay. Here it is. Then I'm going to investigate it. All right, Steph, where do I feel stress showing up in my body? Because right now, my chest feels like it could crack. (laughs) Like It's really, really tight. And Oh, my head is throbbing. I feel like my head is really throbbing, right? And this is what's true and alive for me right now as I'm investigating how stress is showing up my body. And I'm like, okay. And I'm just bringing awareness to that. What does that feel like? And as I notice that headache and I really pay attention to it, does it get stronger? Does it get less? Does it go away? Does it stay the same? As I tune into that heart throbbing, fun exercise, try it, Mary Beth, next time you're nervous. Okay. Okay. 
sit and breathe and say, I'm going to focus on this heart that I'm wondering if everybody can hear that's beating. And, you know, before I go on this podcast and I'm going to focus on that heart and now I'm going to listen to it like a clinical observer, I'm not going to judge it. And as I watch that heart, does it slow down? Does it get faster? And I'm just paying attention to it, right? Non-judgmentally. And then, and I'm going to nurture myself and say, all right, you know what? Other speech clinicians have felt this. I'm sure they've got progress reports. You know, this is how it goes. This is part of it. I will get this done. Or maybe I won't get this done. And that's okay too. I'll pick back up in January and just be late. Or I tell myself, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I've got things to look forward to on break. Or maybe I take several deep breaths or take a five-minute walk or Maybe I take a moment of gratitude for the things that I'm grateful for, right? So I've just practiced rain now in a very practical moment where I'm feeling super stressed, staring at my computer. And I can go through this process pretty quickly in like a minute or two or whatever time you really want. And now you've been practicing this, say, a couple of times and life goes on and, you know, coworker walks in and maybe, you know, you've been stressed, but you've been doing your little practices throughout the day, right? So you're armored up a little bit. And maybe now you find you don't jump into a place of reactivity with what they share. They share the same exact thing, but you're not swept up, uh, you know, under your feet and like taken away with the tide of one more thing to do. You're actually like centered and grounded and you're like, okay, you're telling me this. And I know I can pause right now. I know I can take a breath and maybe I can respond in a way that utilizes wise speech because you've learned to tend to yourself. You've learned to tend to your emotions. You've learned to care for yourself in challenging times, even if it's 1% better each day. Maybe now you've noticed, I'm just a little bit slower to reactivity. I just responded to my student a little more calmness in this moment or, wow, I didn't just snap at my kiddo or my husband or wife in that moment where normally I would have like, whoa, this little seed, you know, that you plant is like, you're giving it a little water and sunlight, these little practices. And over time you're seeing like, I'm starting to grow. I'm starting to bloom, right? You might still be very stressed. I'm not saying this is going to take your stress away, but you've learned how to be with, can I be with this? Remember the work, this is the work. Can I be with this? Can I be with this stress so that you're not letting your emotions control you, right? You've learned to see them as colors that come and go, always changing shape, like in Matilda's book or evolving, right? You don't have to run away and get lost in each emotion and let it take you somewhere, but rather you're recognizing it, you're calling it out by name, you're allowing it to be there, and you're working with it a bit, and then you're moving on. So that would be the strategy that I would recommend for you working mindfully with emotions, especially in this time. There's a lot of science-backed health benefits to incorporating mindfulness practices into your life. Well, thank you for bringing that. Time is flying here and I hate that we're almost out of time, but we'll go a little bit over here. Um, So rain, recognize, allow, investigate, nurture. And I know that that's the primary one we wanted to talk about tonight, but you have some other really great tips for mindfulness throughout the day, specifically for SLPs. So if you can run through some of those other ones, we probably don't have too much time for examples, but if you can just mention bullet point. Yes. Okay. And then we'll have you come back next year. Okay. And we'll talk about this some more. If everyone who can, who's listening tonight live can come back next year when Stephanie is here, we can report on our own reign and, and how well we've done with this strategy. Yes. I'll commit to telling you how well I do with it. So yes. And I can um, share some case studies. I'd love that. So yeah, interest of time. Let me just bullet point a quick few takeaways that people can leave with today and begin to implement. 
One of the things I would say is look at your transition times, use your transition times wisely. So whenever you're going from one activity to next, just taking a moment, seeing right where you are in life in that moment without judgment, just observe your life, observe your surroundings, notice your breath, just get out of your thoughts and just think, okay, here I am right here and right now, because noticing or practicing three minutes of your breath, which according to neuroscience has amazing benefits, it can make a huge difference in your life. So those transition times, next time you're walking to the microwave, get out of the store in your mind and just watch your breath coming in and out as you're walking. Another strategy I would say is note your emotions, like keep a little running journal log, journal a list of your emotions throughout the day, open a notes page on your phone, put it on a post-it note and write it down. Each time you have a little feeling, something that brings happy or something that you're frustrated about, write it down and maybe take it a step further and connect the emotion with what's causing you to feel that way. So you could write the emotion, not what's why you're feeling that way, how it's manifesting in your body. So anxious, and then next to that, I might write chest tightened, or you might write nervous, rapid heartbeat, right? And try to just track your emotions. And this brings awareness to your emotions and lets you see how in the course of the day, they're always changing and evolving. We don't have to follow them. A new emotion will come soon enough. Another strategy would be pause and don't respond. Easier said than done. But when you feel a strong emotion in your day, try not reacting to it immediately. If a teacher tells you their schedule won't work for her students, you know, and you've made the schedule several times and this comment like, you know, triggers an emotion, you try clinically observing it. What am I feeling right now when she said that? Do I notice anything in my body? Can I pay attention to that? If I pay attention to that, does it shift or change? Just taking that moment to like, I'll get back to you and I want to sit with this and maybe wait for the emotion to pass, right? So we try riding out an emotion and we can remember that emotions are like the waves in the ocean, right? There's little ones, there's big ones. I can start small and I can just, I don't have to act on this emotion. So just notice it, let it come and try not doing anything with it. Try just being with it a small emotion and then grow into bigger ones as they come and learn how to sit and watch them come and watch them go before acting on them. Maybe spend some time in your day noticing nice things that happen. So another bullet point would be like moments of gratitude. Take some moments, write down feelings of happiness or joy, well-being, things that are pleasurable, tiniest things. A client smiled at you or maybe they met a benchmark today or maybe you smelled a nice perfume in the air. Maybe the sun came out. Somebody wrote cold. They started their day cold. Maybe the day got warmer. Like, oh, this was nice. Now it's warm. Just takes a few moments of gratitude and jot those down. Another strategy, obviously, is rain. Practice using rain throughout the day, maybe with a work buddy. You can try using it with a client. When we meet again, I can share how you can do that. And then, you know, maybe try nurturing yourself throughout the day. Just have moments to give yourself that positive self-talk. If your stress or tension is rising, just take a moment and tell yourself, yeah, this stinks. But you know what? May I be kind to myself? as I'm dealing with this, or, you know what, I can always ask for help or, you know, what, I'm just going to take one task at a time and that's okay. I got this right. So giving yourself that positive self-talk. And lastly, you can go online. There's guided meditations. You can find them on YouTube. If you search Tara Brock and Rain, she's got mindfulness of emotions, guided meditations that are online. You can tap into the Insight Timer app. It is free and they have some wonderful guided meditations in the area of emotions also. And just remember, the more you practice these ideas, informal or formal, the more second nature they'll become for you. But that's really the work. Begin to embed them into 
what you're already doing. And that way, when life throws you curveballs and difficult challenges, you have these tools readily available to call upon and you can begin to see your growth as a person, as a professional, because again, the person is the professional. Thank you, Stephanie. You have given us so many excellent tools to use and put to work right away. So we will try to have you back in the first quarter of 2023. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, speechtherapypd.com. Thank you all of the listeners for your attention and for just being willing to stay a little bit over as we're learning these mindfulness strategies. So I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you again for your time and your attention and all the hard work that you guys are doing out there in the trenches. Yes. Thank you, Stephanie. And thank you to all of our wonderful participants here tonight and listening in the future. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for joining us here at Keys for SLPs, providing keys to open new doors to better serve our clients throughout the lifespan. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs for this episode and more. Thanks for your positive reviews and support. I would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe. Keep up the good work.